And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, welcome in everyone to another episode of the Buffalo Beat. The Bills season is now over. The Bills lose to the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game by a score of 38 to 24, a 14-point deficit, but even though it was two they were two touchdowns away, that doesn't even begin to describe how far apart these two teams were in this game. The Chiefs were just the better team basically on all phases, maybe with the exception of special teams, but we'll get into all of it as we uh move forward in the podcast. Welcome in Everyone, my name is Joe Biscalia. With me is my podcast co-host, Matthew Fairburn. And the Bills season is done. It was a remarkable year for a lot of reasons. Their quarterback taking the step forward that they did. Um, the team on the whole making the step forward that they did. But at the end, they landed on the doorstep of a buzzsaw, being the Super Bowl defending uh, Kansas City Chiefs. And they brought it all game and the bills just it just seemed like they were swimming upstream right from the start of it and they just they just could not catch catch a hold of themselves throughout the game so Matthew when you think about this game there's a lot of different things that stand out of course but above all else what is the one thing that you will remember you will think sit to yourself and think about this tomorrow when you wake up What's the one thing that stands out? Well, I think all season long, the conversation in the Bills locker room and, you know, among, you know, us here on the podcast at times and, and around surrounding this Bills team was, you know, they wanted to peak at the right time. And you you felt like they were for a while, right? They They played really well in December. They played well the first two weeks of the playoffs. But the Chiefs, what they did, that's peaking at the exact right time. Uh, the Chiefs and the way that they played was, I don't know if there's a version of the Bills that that hangs with that team, uh, the way they were playing. But so many missed opportunities for the Bills uh, throughout this game. It was... Uh, to me, probably the the main thing that that people will think about is all the opportunities the Bills missed. They they got a nine point lead, essentially gifted to them uh, on a mm-hmm. muffed punt by Mecole Hardman. Should have been a ten point lead. They missed the extra point, and at no point did the Chiefs really waver. You know, the Chiefs felt like a team. And I think this is the biggest difference between the Chiefs and the Bills among a lot that you can pinpoint on the roster, the quarterback, the coach. You can 
take apart all those individual pieces. But I think the biggest difference between these two teams is that the Chiefs all season felt like a team that was saving its best for the playoffs. Like they weren't, you know, you look at their some of their numbers during the season and the way they played at times, the fact that they hadn't won a game by more than six points since November 1st before Sunday night almost felt like, you know, an NBA team that you knew would have its best and have an extra gear and be able to flip a switch. The Bills didn't have that because the Bills were their their switch had been flipped uh and for most of the year they had a great year. They were they were that team. They were what the Chiefs were to them to a lot of other teams in the league. But the Chiefs had a gear that the Bills couldn't match. The Chiefs out coached outplayed the whole thing um they were using things that seemed to it's weird that certain things seem to catch the bills off guard they used a lot of pre-snap motion which seemed to give them problems but they didn't exactly unearth a hidden gem you know they threw the ball you know travis kelsey had 13 catches tyreek hill had 172 yards um Kelsey had 118 yards and two touchdowns all week. Those were the the two guys everybody talked about. So it was just a matter of the Chiefs' best being a lot better than the Bills' best, which isn't necessarily anything for them to hang their hat on. Um, but it does present both a short-term, um, a, a sobering short-term truth and also a somewhat long-term sobering reality as well because Patrick Mahomes is not going anywhere Mm -hmm. yeah Mahomes was brilliant in this game I mean it he was getting the ball out quickly when he was within the pocket so the Bills couldn't even um, feign a pass rush Uh, when he was getting outside the pocket he was obviously taking the Bills defenders out of their zones like all of these different elements just led to this complete um, an utter dominant effort by them. Um, and really it was, it was the chief's best and they brought it on both offense and defense. And it really was nowhere close to what the, uh, what the bills were capable of doing because it almost felt like they were a little shell shocked right, right from the get go. Um, which you is know, weird because they got that nine nine point lead. You almost feel right. like that should have knocked that out of their system. It it was exactly you're you're exactly right. I mean, they forced a, a three and out to start the game, which they were lucky in doing so because uh, there was a dropped pass that should have went for a first down. But it, you know, the Bills ended up getting lucky on that one. They they forced them to the punt, and and you know, at first did nothing with that possession. But, you know, that because of the muffed punt, they had it right on the doorstep to get points and, and they converted. So good on them for doing that. But even the, the first offensive drive, like uh, Allen's first pass was awesome. It was a it was a 17 yard laser on an RPO to Cole Beasley right right over the middle of the field. And it's like, whoa, OK, Allen uh, came out, came out with the heat in, in this game. And then from there, it was just this slowly dissipating passing attack that just the it was getting its teeth removed one at a time um and it really didn't 
come back to life until maybe in the in the third quarter on their first possession but even still you know they they couldn't punch that in for points so it, it was a disheartening blow to this team because of all of the good things that they did over the course of the season with how they developed their passing attack with how they became one of the premier passing attacks in all the league and when it mattered most, when they needed their quarterback, Josh Allen, and it wasn't only his fault, by the way. It was not just his fault. But when they needed him to be brilliant, just the same way that Patrick Mahomes was, he was he kind of shifted back into a mold of a player that we didn't see a lot of throughout, throughout this season. More so of a old Josh, who we have referred to before. It wasn't absolute. There were times of brilliance and and there were times where he was being let down by his teammates. You know, I didn't think the the play calling was all that spectacular um uh, fr- from Dable this this time around and I don't usually like to say that because a lot of it is results, uh, you know, commentary on play calling, a lot of it is results based, but you know, at some point the when the results of the passing game really isn't going and the defense has their number, you know, at some point you're going to have to maybe utilize the run game just a tad more in the second half, more than one carry for one of your running backs. Um, so that was a letdown. The offensive line, I thought, played horribly in the game, and I don't have a specific person to attribute that to because I don't want to, you know, talk um uh, talk out out of my butt at this point because you don't really know until you see the coach's film but they were letting pressures in there were breakdowns um from from all sides whether it be from pressure or from individual um individual losses like it, it was just a a total failure by the offense and that i think is what is going to stick with bills fans the most because they thought and they were right to think that they had a quarterback that could be capable of delivering the type of performance that uh, Patrick Mahomes just did against this Bills team. The Chiefs defense, you know, really schemed really well. They've got some good pieces on that defense, but it's not like they're an incredible team, an incredible unit. I mean, they're, they, they definitely brought it this evening, but that said, there's, there were still opportunities to be had there. And it just seemed like Allen was confused a lot of the time. I mean, they were disguising their their looks pre-snap. They were disguising uh, um, some of their their coverage responsibilities. There was one one play in particular where Allen thought that the Chiefs were in man coverage because that's the way that they they made it look ahead of the snap. And then they drifted back into his own. He tries to force the ball to John Brown down the right sideline. And the uh, the safety is is waiting there to almost pick it off. So, um, no, I'm sorry, the cornerback stepped in front in, in the zone to almost pick it off. So it just just all of these these mini meltdowns in the game, it just even though they they had a chance to to get within one score right at the beginning of the fourth quarter, right before the Allen's only interception, it just never even felt that close. and and that's that's the, I think the, the mile marker that you're talking about between them and the Chiefs right now because Mahomes is real. He is outstanding. He has the playoff chops to do it all the time. 
And we don't know if Allen has that in him in a spotlight like this one because he he definitely uh, wilted a bit in, in this game. Here's something I will say about Josh Allen. I, I'm going to trace it back to the coach for a second because at the end of the first half, well, a few times, I'm even going to say on the opening drive of the game, fourth and fourth and one, they go for it and get it. Fourth and three from the 33, most of the analytics say your win probability goes up if you go for it there. Um, you've been an aggressive team all year. You're up against, you have the ball first up against a team that you know is going to score points, you know is going to be aggressive. And you have a quarterback who probably needs more reassurance than he typically would considering the magnitude of the game and everything else. Mm-hmm. They kick that field goal, go up 3 nothing. you know, whatever. They get the touchdown on the next drive because of the muffed punt. Now here's where I want to draw kind of a, you know, show both sides here because Mikol Hardman fumbles that punt and basically hands the Bills a touchdown. Mm-hmm. On the next drive, I don't know if it was the first play. Here, I'll look it up. I think it was the first play they gave the ball to Mikol Hardman. The Chiefs did. Um, it was so one of the 50-yarder? It was, I don't think it was the 50-yarder. It was not, but they gave him the ball. Um, and he scored a touchdown on the following drive. So they gave it was him the ball. Second, it was the second play. It was, it was a short pass for one yard. Yeah, like they made a point to get the ball into his hands, and then they gave him the ball down near the goal line. We've seen a lot of times with Sean McDermott where a guy makes a mistake and then gets sat down and different things like that. And there wasn't, you know, he obviously didn't bench Josh Allen, but that happens. They get that touchdown. Hardman isn't even thinking about the muff punt anymore. He's It's gone. Like, he's fine. He's back. And like you mentioned, he had a 50-yard run later in the game. They kept giving him the ball. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the first half, you're sitting there fourth and three. Is it fourth and three or fourth and fourth and three from the three, maybe? Um, or from the two-ish, depending on your yeah, view of the spot. Yeah, it was fourth and two. And, fourth and two, uh, technically. And they, they were down 21-9 at that point because the Chiefs had had a great second quarter. And again, they kicked the field goal. And then on the first possession they had in the third quarter, again, fourth and three, again, inside the Chiefs' 10-yard line, and again, they settled for three points. You cannot coach that way against the Kansas City Chiefs, period. Like, mm-hmm. But you also can't coach that way and not expect it to seep into your quarterback's head. And that's where they were a certain type of team all season long, and then they got to their most important game and they weren't that team anymore. You even saw early in the game, you know, trying to mix in the run more than they did against the Ravens just because, just seemingly for the sake of it. This team cannot run the ball, which is probably a separate problem that needs to be addressed. But, you know, 
Six carries for 17 yards for Singletary, three for 15 for Yeldon. Allen ran the ball great, but that's not really running the ball. That's uh, out of structure a lot of the time. Um, That's not, you know, traditional running the ball. And it's not to say they need to scrap their offensive plan and rebuild themselves as a running team, but the fact of the matter is they can't run the ball and they try to um, at weird times. But to kick those field goals... You know, McDermott described it afterwards as he needed the need, needed to get points, needed to get something out of that drive at the end of the half because the Chiefs were getting the ball first. That's precisely why you need seven points and not three because the Chiefs were getting the ball right. first. You're down 21-9. A touchdown makes it 21-16. The Chiefs opened the second half with a field goal. Then you come down and you kick another field goal instead of getting potentially seven not to say they're going to nail both of those but it's a i think there's a mentality that comes along with it and when you have a young quarterback in a on a stage that he's never been on this is you know not tom brady this is not you know patrick mahomes even this is a guy that probably needs a little bit of reassurance and he didn't get it and i didn't think you know josh allen did not play well he was not you know, playing within himself most of the time. A big problem with him, and it gets masked a lot by the fact that he's really good at escaping, is the fact that when he gets sacked, he loses so many yards. Like, four sacks for 53 yards. Some of those plays just absolutely crush this offense at at bad times. And so... Those things tend to happen when you're you're trying to do too much. He had two inter- what could have been interceptions that, you know, bounced off of corners hands. He had one interception. He threw an inter, you know, the two-point conversion was picked off, which doesn't count as an interception, but just I I just don't think you can expect to win when you've when you're settling for field goals the way that they did. And then I don't know, at the end of the game, and I get the math to an extent on the going for two, but it's like now you're going for two when you're down 17, an extra point gets you to 16, and you're still it's still a two-score game. They go for two, they miss it, then it's a 17-point game, and it might as well be over. Um, I don't know. It they picked weird times to you know be aggressive, and then at the end of the game, they're throwing punches and you know, throwing guys to the ground and throwing the ball in the Chiefs' face and whatever else. It just felt like to me there was a, a time a time to be throwing punches and a time to be fighting. And the Chiefs were doing it in the in the first half of the game. They were they were under the Bills skin basically the entire game. And you can say what you will, you can you can complain about them taking things after the whistle or whatever else. But it was working. You know that guy gets a roughing the passer on Josh Allen. He earned the roughing the passer. Well, it doesn't even count because, you know, John Feliciano goes and wipes him out, and Deion Dawkins then needs to push him when he's on the ground already. Uh, also, Josh Allen throws the ball at his helmet. Also, Josh Allen threw the ball at his – yeah, so that alone would have negated. And, again, the game's probably out of hand at that point, whatever, but – it just spoke to a team that came completely unglued. And if you looked like a minute before that, when Josh Allen threw the interception on the two-point conversion, Stephon Diggs needed to be held back by Isaiah McKenzie because 
somebody gave him an extra shove after the whistle. They did an outstanding, the Chiefs did an outstanding job on Stephon Diggs. Outstanding. A strategy that not a lot of teams are able to pull off, but they they were super physical with him, and he does not like that. Um, and he can get away with not liking that in the NFL because most of the time you're going to get the calls and most teams aren't going to have corners that are willing to play that way because it's not super sustainable with the way the rules are. But in the playoffs, they let a little bit more go. And you could see it from the first you know, time they threw the ball to Diggs. They were hitting him hard. They were finishing their hits on him. We saw it all year he... He'll go down. He'll go down like a quarterback to avoid hits or go out of bounds. And they brought it to him. And I think that, you know, is where some of that frustration came. We talked about it before with Josh Allen, how good he is at escaping sacks and how like getting pressure on him is not enough. You need to actually bring him down. And they're one of the teams that's good enough to be able to do that, you know, with some of the guys that they have up front. So, yeah, they felt like a a much different team than the bills at every level the coach felt way more prepared uh was making much better decisions in game with his personnel and with his play calls their quarterback was way more calm uh, and way more in control and their their defense was taking you know the way the bills played defense in both games against the chiefs was almost you know like they were waiting and just hoping to catch a break, you know, and the That's Chiefs a great way of putting were it. bringing it to them on the defensive side of the ball. Steve Spagnolo and Sean McDermott come from the exact same school. Only one of them brought their notebook from that class, and it wasn't Sean McDermott. You know, Spagnolo was bringing the heat. He was he was bringing the the fight to the Bills' offense, and it worked. Um, at both games against the Chiefs felt the same way from a from a coaching standpoint, mostly from a coaching standpoint. But I guess from that seeps into the players is that you know, man, you know, I hope we don't lose this game. Like, you know, just kind of sitting back and and hoping, and it's not going to work not against this team and like i said maybe this team's just that much better than the bills that's a possibility and that's not a bad thing um but when you get to this point i don't know you need you need to have i don't know it felt like they should have been the team that had nothing to lose and they didn't play that way yep yeah it 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 was almost like the the roles were reversed a little bit i do want to go back to the to some of the things you said about the the field goal um what I only I split decisions. spit out like fourteen points in one uh, thing there, so <laughs> I'm surprised you can even find one specific one to to riff on. But go go on. Yeah, you. Uh, I, I think you you might have set an, a Buffalo beat record for for uh, a minutes talking talking right there. Um, I think the I think the way that you put it uh, with choosing to go for the field goal and how that how the negative impact it had on maybe the quarterback maybe the offense um it I, I think there are some some truth to that because you could just tell 
Josh Allen's body language was changing as the game was going on. Like it, it went from, you know, being that his confident self ahead of the game and in the early stages of the game to slowly being slumped over and to slowly like leaning forward and things like that. Like he, um, it just did not look like that same poised, confident guy that, um, that we've seen throughout the season. But I also think that the decision to go for the field goal, specifically at the end of the first half, um, I think that was probably influenced by what McDermott was seeing from Allen. That doesn't make it right because they should have went for it. You, Like you said, you cannot settle for field goals against a Patrick Mahomes-led offense when they are on a heater. And when your defensive game plan is just getting blown to smithereens, you cannot let your offense being only two yards from uh, from a, a touchdown and from getting you that much closer to the Chiefs and with them getting the ball back in, in the second half to start things off, like you, you can't you can't take that chance. You can't um, risk only having uh, only getting uh, three points out of it. You need seven. Heck, maybe even go for two at the end of it. I know now we're really getting crazy, but like it's just it's just kind of maddening as to why they would choose now to just completely reverse course. Like they have been so good all year at making the right decisions at the right times. And, you know, it's not even aggressive, uh, the, the term aggressive. I think that gets thrown around. It's just smart. It's logical. Like, you're two yards away from the end zone. You're going against a, a team in the Chiefs that are just absolutely blasting you with their offense. Like, the, the Bills' zone coverage had no answer whatsoever. They couldn't do anything with the speed to the edge. They they couldn't tackle in open field. They were scared of getting beat deep, so they they gave them so much cushion. And because they gave them so much cushion, they were just nickel and diming them down the field. And and then once they were finally creeping up, then they they hit them for some some down the field stuff. Like all of these different elements, you have to sit there if you're McDermott and say, okay, we could take the points with Tyler Bass here if we really wanted to. But, man, to be down nine points at halftime, is is that would that just be a, a moral victory? Like, what are you doing here? What Honestly, what is the difference between 21 to 9 versus 21 to 12 at halftime if it, it when, when the Chiefs are getting the ball back the next time around? The difference, there, there really isn't a difference at Maybe that point. Maybe Sean because you know, McDermott is a huge Rush fan. Why is that? Twenty-one twelve. It's, oh. it's a great Rush album. Oh, it's a stupid. See it. It's a stupid joke, but no. If my I, dad's listening, he'll appreciate it. I I am the one who referenced Gochi a few episodes <laughs> ago, so we're good here. Uh, it was the first yeah, thing like, I thought of. I was like, oh, it's twenty-one twelve. I, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe that'll be a, a day after question for McDermott. Maybe he'll be in a slightly better mood. Yeah, I, are I you a Rush I'm, fan, Sean? I don't think I'm going to go for it. <laughs> yeah, are you yeah. a Rush fan, Sean? Excuse me, what are you talking about? <laughs> well, you seem to really want it to be 21-12 at the end of the half. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's just maddening. They, there, there is 
I know some people prefer point the points there, but it's just it's not going to get it done. And it's not like a, a hindsight 2020 thing. You knew what you were doing. You knew what you you were getting yourself into. Your defense can't stop Mahomes. You need touchdowns. You're two yards away. It's not rocket science here. You're in the AFC Championship game. You've been doing this all year. Your offense is one of the best in the league. Trust your offense. You just move the ball down from your own 25-yard line, and you got it down to the two. Don't you have a three-yard play? Like, don't you have that? Like, you've got a quarterback who is really hard to tackle. Just run like a QB power and just get him in there. You know, like they have so many plays in the playbook, you would think, from that spot because they've been that type of team all year. It's, look, like Matt LaFleur, you know, became, you know, basically the laughing stock in the NFC Championship game because of his decision to kick that field goal at the end. I don't know, if you've even got half half of your attention on that game or an eyeball on that game, you're thinking it should just be your, your, the last reminder to be like, I don't want to be that guy. Not that I, not oh, we don't want to get blown out by the Chiefs. Like, no, don't want to be that guy. Um, don't want to be making that decision. Don't want to lose that way. Um, but, it, yeah, it's, they're tough decisions. You know, they're, they're not, easy decisions it's not easy necessarily to step out on a limb and and go for it but these are fourth and three and shorter on all of these not talking about you know fourth and seven or eight um these are are pretty short go for it situations and Mm -hmm. ones that they could have made i think and yeah should the offense have finished sooner all those things maybe but yeah, you get four downs. You get, you get four, four downs. downs for a reason. <laughs> you get four downs, and and I don't know. They were right there. It, and does it change the outcome? I don't know, but it sure makes it a lot more interesting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, there was there would probably be no point to to going for for two point a two point conversion at that point in the game, but but still, like, it, do you let's think? Say, do you think there's a this is just a hypothesis but do you think there's any sort of psychological component at play when sean mcdermott coaches against andy reed i think there there might there might um be maybe he overthinks some of his decisions because he doesn't want something to come back to bite him i don't know maybe there's something because i i think it's probably a combination it it certainly wouldn't be it wouldn't exist if the Chiefs weren't also good, right? You know, like if yeah, Andy Reid exactly. was coaching Alex Smith still, I don't think it exists. But Andy Reid has uh, hit a different level uh, now that he has these these players uh, to work with. And I think McDermott, you know, as much as he said there's no emotion, whatever else, like he badly wants to beat Andy Reid. Like, every time he plays him and on that stage i think badly wanted to beat him um didn't want to be viewed anymore as the the you know guy that you know like that's his mentor and you know he's just mm-hmm. his protege like he wanted that and and it felt like he was pressing 
and it felt like the rest of his team was kind of pressing because of it. They take on the demeanor of their head coach. And I don't, there weren't that many times this year where I felt that from him. And this was one and the other chiefs game was the other one. And I didn't even really think about it much in the Titans game. Cause I think they just kind of came out on their heels in that game and the Titans were flying around. Um, and the, the Cardinals game was, you know, obviously a fine game for them. I didn't think that was the case in hardly any games, but the two against the Chiefs, similar trends. And yeah, also to, like I said, it's a really good team. Um, it's not mm-hmm. just Andy Reid, but it's kind of the perfect storm of all these factors on field and psychological that just were clearly a bad mix for the Bills this year. Yeah, he did. I would have loved to hear what the conversation was going into those field goal decisions because there's their usual, I I would think their usual way that they go about this is they have someone um, who reviews the numbers and runs what the numbers indicate the decision should be by Sean McDermott, and then McDermott makes a determination from there. They have a lot of different situations, game situations, everything like that. There's two someones and, upstairs now. Yeah, it's, it's uh, Dennis Locke uh, Dennis and Mark, Locke, yeah. Mark Lubbock, who got added game management to his duties this year, which seemed to pay off for most mm-hmm. of the year. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, but at, the, at that point, you would have to think that McDermott just said, no, nah, no, I need the points here. And to McDermott's credit, he said he wanted to go for one of those when he when he went back and thought about it. But he did not mean the one, not that one uh, yeah. at the end of the first half. And didn't even bring up the first one, the first field goal, the 51-yarder, which uh, right. was another one that, again, cold, hard, look at the numbers, you go for it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, beyond just the numbers, like, oh, got to get points on the first drive, like, no, the attitude all year has been got to get a touchdown on this mm-hmm. drive. You know, it's easy to have your foot on the throat of the Broncos or the Patriots at the end of their sorry season. Are you besmirching Dolphins. Drew Locke, by the way? Oh, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> Go on. He stinks. Um, yeah, but, yeah, he does. Um, it's easy to do that. Right, it's easy to be, you know, ruthless in the second half of those games and be like, "Wow, look at them going forward on fourth down here and here." Those are the ones that are tough, but those are the ones that can have the biggest reward. Um, and it, there's no telling what that does for Josh Allen if you go forward on fourth and three on the opening drive. Mm-hmm. He's already made one of them. Um, so yeah, all three of them. Yeah, of the three, the. One in the second half was the one he said he would have probably gone for if he could do it again, but he didn't sound like he had a whole lot of conviction on that, even after the fact in hindsight. So, yeah, the numbers are only as good as the the person following them, and Mm -hmm. if you're not going to follow them, then... um, But I think it's beyond numbers. Like I think, like we're talking about here, there's some game feel involved you know because that's what people talk about well you got to feel the situation and every situation's different can't just blindly follow the numbers like i felt the game feel was pretty obvious i don't know how much the numbers um accounted for the fact that you were up against patrick mahomes you know that that 
seems like a thing that mm-hmm. should be taken into account and probably tilts it more towards going for it and being uh, aggressive. And it felt timid the whole time. And it was, yeah, it was, it was probably not the reason they lost, but it's also a pretty big contributing factor to the, the way they played and the way this game went. I mean, if they were conservative right from the jump and they didn't go for for it on the fourth down, then it, and I think you even termed it this way, it felt like they were playing not to lose immediately, if if that makes sense. Like, they wanted to get put points on the board, even though they knew that the Chiefs were probably going to put up some points. It's not really a sustainable model to think that you are going to limit the Chiefs to under, say, I don't know, 27 points. That's just that's just who they are. And if they get anything more than that, then you're probably in trouble at, from that point forward. Unless you have a quarterback that can go, you know, match for match with with uh, with Patrick Mahomes. And the Bills didn't have any of that. They didn't have the confidence that that they've had over the past couple of games uh in, in the playoffs where did this where did the team from from uh from that Ravens game go like it just it it just totally seemed like they were shell shocked right from right from the start in this game and i think that's probably what will stick with fans the most because it just nothing about that effort and that performance matched up with what they were at probably 90% of the time in the season. Those were not the 2020 Bills that we saw. They were the 2020 Bills, but they weren't at the same time. And you have to wonder the psychological factors, the being conservative right from the get-go. I'm sure it all plays into it. And if if you just think that... If you think that even though you got the ball first, that you are already swimming upstream against this opponent, you've already lost. Yeah, it, it was the type of you know thorough beating that not to the same score margin, but it kind of felt like the Colts running into the Patriots in 2014. Uh, the Patriots won 45-7, so that was more of a... a drubbing than than this was but it felt a little bit that way um just a young team running into a team that was you know kind of or you know and i I shouldn't even call the bills a young team because they're really not Um, they got a lot of veterans they're really not um they have a somewhat you know a quarterback who was on the stage for the first time which was true of the colts then um and you know that was Andrew Luck coming into his own and all that, but yeah, it was just I think strange to see them go up nine to nothing and still almost feel like they were losing uh, because they didn't have the same juice that they had when they would get leads before. And yeah, Patrick Mahomes has a lot to do with that. I mean, he you know he's really good and he was playing really well and. They were getting some big gains. Uh, their first few drives, they had to kind of dink and dunk down the field. And then the floodgates opened, and they got some big plays. They got two plays of 30-plus yards 
in addition to a 50 yarder and a 70 plus yarder. So, you know, that's four 30 plus yard plays, two 50 plus yard plays. Um, the one thing they couldn't do was, you know, allow too many big plays and turn the ball over and they did both. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not a surprise to, to see, you know, when things unfold like that, that the result is what it is, but I can understand the, the disappointment from fans who, you know, felt this team is, was good enough to, to win it all. And if they catch the chiefs on a better day, maybe, maybe they're right. But, you know, that's the reality is it, it's hard to get to this point. And it's hard to get back. You know, that was that's sort of the message is that, you know, the Bills will be back. Um, that was Sean McDermott's exact quote to CBS walking off the field. The Buffalo Bills will be back. Well, since 2014, the only two teams that have been to multiple AFC championship games are the Patriots and the Chiefs. That's it. So you want to be back, you got to be that good. You got to be 2014 to 2018 Patriots good, and you got to be Chiefs good. Uh, Chiefs have been the last three years. Titans made it last year, and I go read all the quotes coming out of their locker room. I bet you they said they'd be back. Jaguars said they'd be back a few years ago. The Steelers said they'd be back a few years ago. The Colts in 2014 that was, man, they're going to be in so many, they'll be playing in AFC championship games for the next 10 years. They haven't been back since. So they, they need to sort of figure out the right formula so that that doesn't become them so that they're not, you know, that team. That's just a, a one, one shot at it because the Chiefs, you know, the flip side of that coin is a couple years ago, the Chiefs were in an AFC championship game against the Patriots, and they lost, and then they came back the next year, and they won in the AFC championship, and they won the Super Bowl. So it can go that way, but you got to get through the Chiefs. And in order to do that, you got you got to be the Chiefs. you got to be a better version of the Chiefs uh, in some ways because I don't know how else you beat them. Mm-hmm. I do have um, for for your stat. Um, the Packers made it the last two years. Well, I'm talking. I'm, I'm talking the AFC Championship. Oh my um, bad. But Sorry. you know, yeah, uh, both championship games apply. But I'm just talking about the AFC Championship game because that's yeah. what I was looking at. And um, the AFC is the pertinent. Uh, yes. Conference, but Very but yes, so. the championship games. Um, but it is difficult. But you, regardless of conference, if you flip, uh, if you flip to the NFC championships, that's kind of another great, you know, teaching point is that Aaron Rodgers hasn't has won one of them in his whole career, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like you know, he doesn't play well in them um, for whatever reason. Um, didn't play particularly great in the game today he played pretty well but um but yeah it's it's tough to get back there and to consistently win it it makes what the chiefs are doing somewhat incredible makes what tom brady is doing crazy um but yeah w- the bills will 
be back in the sense that they're not going to be a mess. You know, they're, they've got it together. They're going to be a competitive team. They've got some good pieces in place. Um, but it's a hard, hard mountain to climb year after year. So, mm-hmm. and there's, you know, some, some questions they have to answer that we'll have plenty of time to, to get into, um, throughout the off season, but it's not a, not as simple as, uh, just rolling the ball back out there and getting, getting back to that game. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. There's also this. They're never going to have as talented and as deep a roster as they had this year because they're about to have a bunch of their contracts turn over, going to be unrestricted free agents. The cap's going to go down probably. Uh, we don't know how much it will go down, but but it's probably going to mean a veteran player or two um, has, to, has to go for them to have flexibility in the offseason. Uh, Josh Allen's contract extension is probably going to come into play at some point. Maybe even if it if it doesn't impact the uh, his cap number for this year or even next year, eventually it's going to get to that level. But they they're going to have to start really honing in on developing their own because this the free agent dollars just aren't going to be there anymore. That they can't just depend on plugging in a, a veteran player anymore all of those players that they that they got are getting up there in age and some of them are waving goodbye to their primes so yeah th- this th- was this a perfect was, storm in a lot of ways it was a per- absolutely um, a perfect storm. it was what you aim for when you draft a quarterback and you have them on the rookie deal and all those things they were super healthy uh, at this point in the season, which is somewhat remarkable, um, hard to hard to replicate, hard to count on replicating. Um, Their only two big losses were Zach Moss and Cody Ford. Yeah, everybody else was healthy. Yep, to, for this game, um, outside of those two guys, two of their starting offensive linemen from this game are free agents. Um, Ford will be back, so that's um, you know some reinforcements there. But is he a starter? Next but year? but right, is he a starter? <laughs> um, what do you do with Mitch Morse? Uh, do you pick up Tremaine Edmonds' fifth-year option? Who do you cut to get closer to the cap? You know all these things. Now it's not to say that this was their only chance, or even necessarily right. their best chance to get to the Super Bowl, because right. Um, 
so many things can happen. You know, you just never know until you're sitting there in November and December and you start to see the the picture in each conference crystallize and you can say, all right, this there's an opening, which, you know, became pretty apparent in a, around November, December, that this team was going to have a shot. Um, Patrick Mahomes may not be healthy every January, <laughs> but the fact of the matter is Patrick Mahomes is going to be a significant roadblock to getting to a Super Bowl. Right. Um, he's a problem. I mean, the, their best their best medicine here would be for Josh Allen to develop that Patrick Mahomesian trait in the postseason and and to be able to take over a game. That's something that we we discussed on on the preview pod. Just really wasn't himself against the Ravens. You know, the Colts game he definitely had his moments. It's just we need to see him take over a game the way that uh, that Mahomes did, and it's just especially in that spot. Like wild card round is completely different from the AFC Championship yeah, game. That, we we know that full well now. Especially when Philip Rivers is on the other side, and he's not the same threat. You know, it's right. again the exactly people always say the quarterbacks aren't going up against each other, but they are because Josh Allen knows damn well who's on the other sideline and how much urgency that creates to score. And another thing that I'm interested to see, this was the most fans they played in front of all year. And I'm not saying he's going to regress massively. If Who knows if they even play in front of full crowds next year. I would imagine they're going to be more full than they were this year, but I don't know when full stadiums return. But that's something I'm interesting, interested to see um, as we go forward because Mitch Morse was mentioning some issues with the silent count and calling out protections, and all of that's a hell of a lot easier when the stadium's silent. Um, silent stadiums were a big advantage for offenses this year. So that's all part of just the environment and handling all, all that goes along with that is just, you're right, he needed to have some of Mahomes in him and mm-hmm. and he didn't and that's and that's where I would say this is different than the Chiefs you know I talked about the Chiefs losing in the AFC championship game before they um, ended up you know going to the Super Bowl the following year and the difference there is that the Chiefs kind of went toe to toe with the Patriots and the Bills didn't really do that um and you know it was a 37 21 game when the patriots knocked out mahomes and he was up against tom brady and it was a pretty great game um this wasn't and this was not a great game for josh allen this was not a a great game for the bills offense Uh, all their best players really didn't bring it josh allen didn't didn't bring it. Stefan Diggs didn't really bring it. Um, Tredavious White didn't really bring it. So I, I think that's you know going to take some soul searching from those guys. And like you said, they're you know Jerry Hughes is getting a year older. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys that Micah Hyde will be a year older. You know, how long do you keep that core on defense together? Um, and who's coming through the pipeline, who's, who's replacing them. So 
you know, this was a, a pretty, pretty damn good chance that they let slip by. Um, still a great season, uh, still a lot to build on. And if their quarterback can take some of what was there in December and bring that in a future January, any future January, they've got a shot to raise the Lombardi trophy at some point. Um, and that's the, the reality that they're in is that they now have a quarterback who at least gives them a shot every time training camp opens. Every time the season kicks off in September, they're a player because of him, provided he, he stays at that level and can bring it. So much of it is about bringing it at the right time, right? Just like getting hot at the right time and and, and finding that, that level in the right moments. And didn't have it on Sunday night, you know, that's going to happen, but, um, something that he'll have, he'll probably spend a lot of time thinking about this, this off season, because we know what it did to him last off season. Yep, exactly. Just like it did last year. And those points are the right ones. I mean, this loss for a lot of people out there is going to suck. I mean, people are going to think about this and it's because even the most casual of Bills fans started to get really invested and they started to really believe that this year was going to be different. And the thing of it is, this year was different. Like how they wound up finishing here, while yes, it was a a complete disappointment to see them really just fall that short against the the best team in the AFC. But it was a bad night for them. And I'm not convinced every single time if if they were to play them again that that this uh that this outcome is the same thing. Um they probably play him tougher sometimes, but whatever the case. Whatever happened in the AFC Championship game does not erase everything that the organization did in the early stages. And I know people have probably gotten to this point in the podcast and they're like, man, this sucks. Everything sucks. Everything is the worst. And yeah, you can you can feel that way for now. But this is a this is a team that broke through so many franchise barriers that has just been crushing this organization for decades, not even years, decades. Like they have rewritten things in Buffalo. They are now looked at as legitimate. They made it to the AFC championship game. They beat two pretty good teams to get to the AFC championship game in a year where the two seed doesn't get a buy anymore. The first time that ever happened. And in a year where the seven seed, the first ever seven seed, wound up having 11 wins. They had to beat two 11-win teams just to get the AFC Championship game. Like, this this Bills team did some remarkable things this season. And while it didn't go according to the plan of fans and of, of the organization to get to the Super Bowl and to, you know, raise the Lombardi trophy, trophy above their heads, like, this... This was an overwhelming successful year. And it's not a moral victory. This is 
an actual, legitimately massive step forward for the organization. And now it's just a matter of sustaining and getting back. And that's all that is going to fall on the GM, Brandon Bean. It's going to fall on Josh Allen to continue to better himself in those moments, to not get captured by those moments the way that the way that he did last year against Houston and this year against Kansas City. If they make if he makes that improvement, this is a team that can contend every single year. But we just have to see. And it's going to make the offseason fascinating. But regardless, the point I'm trying to make is fans should feel good about the 2020 Bills. I do not take any little bit away from what they did this year. It was a special season for the organization, especially when you look at the scope of what has happened in Buffalo for a long time. So, you know, moral victory, whatever. It's it's the truth. It's legitimate. They They made a massive step forward. There's also this piece. There's only really one weekend that Bills fans didn't get to watch their team play football, which is, a, you know, mm-hmm. in a year like this one, nothing to really scoff at. Um, you know, they were, they were a welcome diversion. Uh, and, like, yeah, I know everybody's like, you got to have, you know, Super Bowl or bust or, or whatever else. And, yeah, there was an opportunity sitting there in front of them that, you know, they they weren't able to pull off. But, like you said, it was it was quite the run, and this is how these things end sometimes. You know, this is how these things ended occasionally for you know those Eagles teams. Um, this is how things ended for the Patriots on occasion. This is how things end for the Packers uh, more often than they'd like. Uh, and you know, if the Bills are in that mix every year, that's what it's about. It's about being in the mix. And hoping that one of those years things break right. And at times it looked like they were doing that for the Bills. But like I said, the the Chiefs happened to find another gear at the perfect time as opposed to the right time. You know, the right time. Oh, peaking at the right time, heading into the playoffs. Well, Chiefs decided to peak in the AFC Championship game. Maybe they'll find another level in the Super Bowl. But, um, you know, they decided they had another gear uh, when they got to this point. And... I think that's, you know, not necessarily any sort of uh, indictment on the Bills and what they did this year. And I think they will be – everybody felt how much different this team was, you know, mm-hmm. because usually, you know, it is late in the January. It is January 25th, and we are – you know, it's still talking about the bills. Like it, it's different. And we're, and we're not at the senior bowl. <laughs> right. Like didn't even ponder well, it for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Didn't even ponder it for, you know, not because of the bills really, <laughs> frankly, but, right, um, right. but yeah, in part, like not even an event that you think about on the calendar. The NFL draft is a, a distant thought at the moment. Like, so being in that category of NFL teams is a good thing. And I don't think they're leaving that category. Um, you know, at least for, at least for the short, short term next few years. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, let's give out some awards really quickly here. Um, because I'm sure people will just want to go over the, the, the chaos that was at, at Arrowhead stadium some more. So let's, uh, go ahead and kick it off on the positive side with the Blaine Gabbert award for perseverance. I'm going to go with Dawson Knox here. And I Uh, I know you were going to steal mine, but you didn't. No, uh, I thought, you know, he has probably gotten this award more than most, but when the Bills needed a play, they they just kept on going to him. So I'm going to give this one to a good old Dawson here that uh, that he was able to put together one of his biggest receiving games of the season in the AFC championship game. So he got a touchdown out of it, too. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going with Dawson Knox. I think there's there's two for me. Uh, Mecole Hardman muffing the yes. punt and then catching a touchdown and having a 50-yard run, uh, a picture of perseverance. But also, I think the guy who deserves it the most is the man himself, Blaine Gabbert. The man's, oh, man's going to a Super Bowl. Oh, God. His first Super Bowl... Uh, at the ripe age of 31 years old. So you're going to hear a lot about Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes in the next two weeks. But just remember who's one play away. I'm going to mute you on the next episode. (laughs) If only you had those powers. (laughs) Yeah. Marissa, please. Marissa is our producer. Marissa, please mute him whenever he's talking about Blaine Gabbert next time. We should just bleep Um, it out. <laughs> we just let swear words go and um we put the explicit tag only for Blaine Gappert references. Uh all right. Yeah. Uh, I I I'd, I'd be down for the bleep button for Blaine. 
next up we have the uh, no we'll go with the Dre Archer award for the player that didn't show up the entire game um I'll let you go first on this one this one's tough I mean you could say Gabriel Davis uh didn't catch a pass but he was he's clearly playing through some stuff I think he had like 10 snaps yeah he, he just like you know was he was out there but he wasn't um I I guess I'll go with John Brown. Uh, yeah. Another ho-hum effort, and from what we're supposed to be able to gather, he's pretty healthy at this point. Um, two catches, 24 yards in what may have been his last game as a Bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not a not a great showing from him. I think uh, if it were me, I'd, I'd save the $9 million bucks and yeah. and move on. I think that's a good one, and I also think the uh, the one interception that countered against Josh Allen, I believe that to be John Brown's fault because he he should have. I mean, he is all about speed and burst out of his cuts, and and he just the release off the line of scrimmage was was poor on that play, and he allowed the defender to get physical with him and stick with him and get sticky on him the way that McDermott referenced it. So yeah, I I, I think Brown is a. Uh, a good candidate for this one. Um, I might also throw Sean McDermott into the mix too for the, for the field goal choices, but we, we did enough of that earlier. All right. The Vontae Davis award for the player that did not show up in the second half. I'll go with any running back ever for the bills. They had one carry in the second half. I mean, I guess you could kind of say that for, for the whole game too. They, they weren't really that, that, uh, that there, but they probably need to address that in the offseason, which is weird to say because they drafted running backs in the third round each of the last two years, but it still feels like a is, problem. I don't know what what they do. I, I, I think maybe their best course might be to rework the offensive line and and get tougher that way. I don't know. Singletary just... Moss he's not good it. at times, but... I'd say out of the two of them, there was not the sense that there was like a dynamic presence in the Bills backfield right. at any point this yeah. season. And yeah. I thought that was emerging with Singletary at the end of his rookie season. So I think, you know, we'll see what they do. But um, again, not that they should revamp their offense and become a, a running team. But yeah, I know. But I don't know, taking some swings at that spot to find a little bit more of a playmaker um, might be helpful. Even, I mean, look at like Daryl Williams on the other side and like, you right. don't have to invest a big resource in it. Just, just take one on day three. Right. That's yeah. what I think, you know, smart teams should do a lot. Just take day three running backs. You're probably going to find a good one at some point and mm-hmm. you know, you won't regret too much spending your third round picks elsewhere. Mm-hmm. All right, and then we go to the uh, "Gotta Watch the Tape" award. Um, we'll both get one of these, but uh, but uh, I believe you are up first, so go for it. Gotta watch the tape. Hmm. I'm gonna go with Tre'Davious White because ah, at first glance, I would say he did not play well, um, and that doesn't seem like a stretch when you look at. Tyreek Hill's numbers and but you always got to watch the tape and see how often he was on him uh, I know he was on Kelsey a fair amount which didn't work out well either 
Um, but I think, yeah, Tredavious White or even a, even a Tremaine Edmonds could get this for me as well. Yeah, I, I, I always struggle with um, uh, advanced commentary on linebackers like right after the game just because it's just so speculative because you, you don't Hence, actually gotta watch see. the table board. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely right. Um, I'm probably going to go with uh, the decision to go to man coverage in the second half and not understanding their personnel and putting good old Taron Johnson up against Tyreek Hill in the slot, which wound up being, you guessed it, the 71-yard catch or, or catch and run for uh, Tyreek Hill because... God, that is a mismatch and a half. And if you're the Bills, you ha- I mean, you go in man-to-man coverage, you have to put Tredavious White on Tyreek Hill. I understand why they don't shadow Tredavious White for most of the game because it's uh, it's mostly a zone-based attack, and you are it, it doesn't really matter what side the cornerback is on um and what receiver is facing him as long as your your zone is sound you should be in the right spots or a dynamite throw would have to beat you uh to upset that zone but if it's man-to-man coverage and Taron Johnson who has struggled in coverage against lesser receivers lesser slot receivers and you're lining Tyreek Hill up against him man is that is that asking for a disaster and disaster found them so gotta watch the tape to see what went wrong on that man-to-man coverage yeah probably didn't cover their mans good enough imo correct yeah imho yeah all right i think we've outstayed our welcome it is now uh 3:45 a.m. eastern so i think it is it is time to adjourn uh for the evening so with that uh that concludes our our season coverage and the next thing that will happen with the bills is they're going to clean out their lockers which we will not see but i think we'll they'll zoom some some players so we'll probably hear from them pretty soon there will probably be a a season ending press conference with uh, Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. And then we get to dig into the offseason and uh, assess where they go from here and, and the bigger decisions that they have. But uh, but yeah, for all intents and purposes, the, uh, the season is done. And I don't know how many more. I, I think we, we might be shifting back to one episode per week since we're out of season. But uh, we'll let you know when, when we get there either way. But yes, it's a, it was a a good run. It was fun to cover, no doubt. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, we'll have to see if these Buffalo Bills has have some staying power in 2021. All right, Matthew Fairburn, any fond words of farewell? Even though we've talked for an hour and seven minutes today, I just want to say thank you to everybody who listened and made yep. us a part of how you consumed this season, whether it was the podcast or anything we wrote. Um, It was a weird year, um, a lousy year in a lot of ways, a stressful year in a lot of ways in terms of how we covered things, how we had to cover things, the uncertainty surrounding not just the season, but, you know, the, the overall state of 
this profession um, mm-hmm. and people reading, listening, following whatever they do uh, helps us a great deal. So mm-hmm. kudos to to those people and hopefully we can continue to be a small piece of of you enjoying uh, the Buffalo Bills. Absolutely. Uh, well said. And if you are not a subscriber of The Athletic just yet and you want to jump in for the, the off-season coverage that Matthew and I will be sure to have plenty of with to see if uh, the Bills can sustain this success moving forward, just head to theathletic.com slash the Buffalo Beat right now. We're, we're giving out a monthly offer of $3.99 per month, which is a reduced fee of what uh, what the normal rate for The Athletic is. So go ahead and jump on that deal by going to theathletic.com slash the Buffalo Beat. All right. So that'll do it for us. Thank you, everyone, for listening this season, tonight, and everything along those lines. Like Matthew said, we really, really appreciate it. And uh, we hope that you'll stick around for the offseason because um, that's when uh, things things really get fun in the offseason. Have some a lot of wild conversations, a lot of uh, similar conversations at times. But but still, it's it's stuff that you want to know because the offseason always breeds optimism. That's that's the one thing, the truest form of any for sports teams. Everyone is undefeated in the offseason unless you're the, you're the Houston Texans. Yes, they've defeated and, themselves quite a bit already. Yes. Yes, yes, they have. All right. So for Matthew Fairburn, my name is Joe Biscaglia. Thank you, everyone, and we will talk to you later in the week. See you then.